All right, well, I need to start with a confession. I used to go to the YMCA in Franklin, Tennessee for free for years. And like maybe seven or eight years. I would play basketball there even a couple times a week, and I, I never had a membership. Now, the way this happened, though, was because I had a friend named Russell Hardiman. Remember Russell? Um, Crystal, you might remember Russell. He was involved with um, Barefoot Re- Republic, the camp, like was going way back. This is when Crystal was in high school, which always makes me feel really old when I'm doing ministry with someone that used to be in my youth group. That, nothing, nothing like feeling young when you think about that. So anyways, this friend of mine, Russell, worked at the YMCA, and we both worked with high school kids a lot. And so our paths just kept crossing, and we formed a friendship. And so over time, we were spending a lot of time with some of the same students, and so we just would kind of link arms together. We'd go to a couple local high schools, love on kids there, and so anyway, some point along the way, he was just like, man, you come into the Y whenever. And so I'd go and I'd hang out with him there. And he just sort of adopted me into the YMCA family. So all the people that worked there knew me and recognized me. And he just kind of given me carte blanche, just come whenever. And so, man, I like to play basketball. And so I would show up with friends of mine and I just walk right in and just wave. And the people there recognize me. So they let me in. And it was like I was a part of the family there and I never purchased a membership. Well, eventually, Russell stopped working there. (laughs) But I kept going to the YMCA and just walked in and waved and went right in. And like in hindsight, I feel like I maybe need to go back and and make some apologies. But I just, I was in, I was connected. I was a part of the community at the YMCA. And because of Russell and my relationship with him, because he was a part of the YMCA family, he brought me in. Now, that might seem like a silly example, but that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit qualifies us and brings us into the family and reminds us, you belong here. Now, this might seem like a simple, obvious thing, but I got to tell you, it's not. All too often in our Christian walk with Jesus, we can feel like we don't belong. I can, I can be reminded constantly of all the ways where I'm not qualified and where I've blown it and where the Father must be furious with me and where Jesus must feel like I've just wasted his gift of grace because I'm the knucklehead that I am, cheating and sneaking into YMCAs, for example. Like, but the truth is the Holy Spirit comes to identify us as belonging to the family of God. And one of the roles he has in our life is to, is to bring that up to us over and over again. So I want to show you this by looking at a, a familiar passage. In fact, it's a passage we talk about fairly regularly when we're talking about water baptism here at church. But I, I want to I show you something specific as it relates to the Holy Spirit. So I mentioned last week um, that one of the things we're going to do when we're looking at the Holy Spirit is, is we're going to look at some words that the Scripture uses to describe what he's like. But also, the Scripture gives us visual pictures. It compares him to different um, objects to help us understand how he operates. And so the first thing we're going to look at this morning is the Holy Spirit as a dove. The Holy Spirit as a dove. And so in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we come up on the passage where John the Baptist is out in the desert. He's preaching that people should repent and be baptized. He's baptizing people in the Jordan River. And Jesus shows up 
And John recognizes him. And here's Jesus at the very start of his ministry insisting to John, you need to baptize me. It's right that we do this. And so Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, there's that word again. I didn't even realize we were reading that this morning. Behold, that means pay attention. Notice the significance of this. Behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I want you to see something that happens here. When the Holy Spirit shows up, the first thing that we see is he brings identity. Jesus is identified as the son of God. And what I love about this is it's not only personal because it says that Jesus sees him coming and hears the voice of God, but other passages make it clear the people standing around heard something too. So the Holy Spirit was identifying Jesus as the Son of God for him personally understand that, and he was identified as that for everybody else. But notice, it doesn't just stop with identification. This is my Son. There's, there's two specific things that the Father speaks over the Son. He calls him his beloved. He's my beloved. I love him. And he says, I am well pleased with him. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does when he identifies us as being a part of the family of God is he affirms us as a part of the family. You're loved. I'm pleased with you. I like you. See, it's one thing for me to just say I've got six kids, which I do, and their last name is Spencer, and so they're identified as being a part of my family. Like, they could, they could be in my family and be identified as a, as a member of our household, and yet they could go unloved. They could go unseen, unrecognized, neglected. They could be ignored, mistreated, they could never be told, I love you, I believe in you, I'm proud of you, I enjoy spending time with you. See, I think it's possible to identify with Jesus and recognize we're a part of his family and yet not enjoy what God intended for us to enjoy, which is his good pleasure on us that says, I love you. I like you. You're cool to be around. I like what I made. I like the personality that I gave you. It's so easy to come into Christian circles and look around and possibly be judged, but also to feel judged even if we're not being judged. Has anybody ever dealt with that voice before? I have. Where I feel like I'm being judged, I'm being measured and weighed, and do I live up? Or I begin to compare myself to other people. But God's saying, I love you exactly the way that you are. I made you to be that way. And I'm happy with who I made, with who I created. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, there's a third element here that I think is easy to miss, but it's important to understand. What, what is the universal symbol for a dove? What does it represent? Peace. It represents peace. 
when the Holy Spirit shows up and connects us into God's family and reminds us that we belong to him, that we're loved by him, and that he's pleased with us, you know what that produces in our life? Peace. It produces peace. See, it's, it's, so, it's so easy to move past the relational elements of what God has intended for us, specifically related to the Holy Spirit, and just rush into talking about power, fire, miracles. The reason God wants to show up with power and fire and miracles is because he loves people. And there are times where we need the power of God to intervene in our lives because we're in trouble without him. And see, if we detach relationship from some of these core elements of who the Holy Spirit wants to be in our life, we're missing the boat. We're not called to walk around zapping people with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're called to walk around and see people made in the image of God that he loves and cares about. And he's therefore called me to love and care about. And so the Holy Spirit reminds me of who I am and my identity, and he gives me peace with God to know I'm loved and accepted by him. And then the Holy Spirit connects me with other people, and I realize, man, we're in this together. He calls me to see that I'm a part of God's family and other people and love them well. And so he brings peace. This is, this is what this picture of the Holy Spirit as a dove represents. It's a sense of assurance. If I could just sum up this section in one word, it's the word assurance. Identity, affirmation, peace. The Holy Spirit comes to give us assurance of our standing with God in his family. Does that make sense? Now, I want to I show you something. I believe you can find this throughout the New Testament. I don't think it's limited to this one spot. But just in case you're sitting here going, Jake, you know, that sounds great, but like that was Jesus. Like God was talking to Jesus and I'm not Jesus. And so that's great that he was the beloved son and God affirmed him. But like, are you sure that maps over to us? Well, besides the fact that we talked about last week is that we abide in him and he abides in us and we have his life in us. I want to show you in Romans chapter 8 that this same principle applies to us by the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have no idea if people ever take me seriously when I say this, but occasionally I throw out to you guys, here's some homework you could do. So I'm going to throw it out again. I would encourage you to look more in depth at Romans chapter 8 than what we're going to cover this morning. Read through the chapter. Let it soak into you. It is rich and full of a lot of truth. We're going to hit some high points this morning. So in Romans chapter 8, throughout this passage, um, Paul is talking about life in the Spirit, okay? What happens when we go from just living life on our own in the physical flesh and realize that the Holy Spirit is present, and so our life now is connected to Him. And he's, he's unpacking all these things that are a part of it. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, really simply, he says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And we could easily say sons and daughters. Often in the scripture, you know, it uses kind of the masculine, like man meaning mankind. Sons and daughters of God. Our identity is, at, is as children of God. That's what the Spirit does. So there's that identity piece. You see that? Okay, we're identified as his kids. That's part of the Spirit's role. If you go to the next two verses, we begin to see the affirmation piece. Verse 15. 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. In other words, that that phrase bears witness, you know, it sounds like a really official Bible phrase. It means he's reminding us. He's saying, hey, this is you. This is you. God loves you. You're his kid. And you can use the language of the familiar, of intimacy, calling him daddy, calling him father. You know, wrapped up in that phrase is an element of, of the respect you would have for a father, but also that sense of childlike wonder, daddy. That closeness that just says, that's my dad and he loves me. And so the Holy Spirit comes to, to affirm us and identify us as being a part of God's family. And he counteracts against fear. That would say that God is disappointed in you. He's done with you. He's given up on you. You know, those doubts that you're still wrestling with, that sin that just, it's got, it's got a hold and you just can't seem to shake it, that would lie to us and say that we're disqualified. The Holy Spirit says, no, you belong to him. You're a son, you're a daughter, and he loves you and he's with you. And then we see the peace that he brings, Romans 8, verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. When, when we begin to choose to believe the truth of what the Spirit of God would say to us, as opposed to what I think or feel on any given moment or day, when I'm, when I'm trusting on my own instinct, that's death, man. I, unfortunately, I live there way too often. My mind wanders about where I stand in relationship with other people. I get discouraged about my own shortcomings. And I begin to project onto God things he must feel towards me. He's got to be so disappointed with me right now. He's got to be so frustrated with me. And I begin to project onto him my own way of thinking. But when what the Holy Spirit would speak over me, my identity in Christ, the love and affirmation that God brings, it replaces that, that mentality that, that kills, that destroys, and replaces it with life and peace. This is what God has intended for us. Now, I'm going to give you kind of a bullet point list. I'm going to give you a little cheat on the homework that I mentioned earlier. There, there are a lot of phrases that end up on magnets, on refrigerators. I don't even, do people even do refrigerator magnets anymore? Is that a thing? You've still got them? Okay. But you probably have them from the 90s and they're just, yeah, that's right. It's my parents. I can call them old. I already called myself old, so by proxy, you must be too. <laughs> I don't know, refrigerator magnets, things, bumper stickers on a car. Probably the, the, best, the best analogy now is just like the little memes we share on Instagram, you know, the little phrases. But there's a lot of these phrases that we just kind of grab out of the scripture, you know, and it's just kind of its own little individual statement. Well, believe it or not, some of the most common ones that we use are all found in Romans chapter 8. And I want you to see this because this is the byproduct of understanding that the Holy Spirit has identified you and qualified you as a child of God. And so the byproduct of being one of his kids is this, Romans 8.1. 
there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means when you would beat yourself up and feel condemned, Jesus says, I covered that already. I paid for your sins, past, present, and future. It has nothing to do with the freedom he wants us to experience from sin because our life is going to be a whole lot better off if we get some victory in that area. But we no longer are under condemnation. Verse 2, the law of the Spirit makes me free from the law of sin and death. So not only is there no more condemnation, I can be set free from sin and death. I don't even, sometimes I think as a Christian, the longer we know Jesus, we can get so familiar with basic gospel truths that we miss out on the fact that I get to live forever. I get to live forever. I I had a moment yesterday and maybe I should have intervened. I don't know. But I had a moment, I'm standing in our house and there's one of the windows on the side of our house that kind of overlooks where the driveway is. And and at our house right now, um, kind of on the side of the house, the side front, the right front corner of the house. I don't know now that I'm talking if I can actually represent this well visually. But there's, a, there's some steps that come up to our house. And on either side, there's some flower beds. And so on the flower bed that's on this side, that's by this corner of the house, um, this brick wall goes up. And if you come around, the driveway goes down and then comes to our garage. So by the time you get to this side, of the flower bed, it's like a brick wall that's seven foot drop, eight foot drop, something like that. So I look out the window the other day and my youngest daughter, Kate, is standing with her toes off the edge of the brick, like yelling at my other daughter, Mabry, and just talking to her and having a big time and they're passing a big branch up. And every parental instinct in me wanted to like rush outside and jerk her back from the edge of that. But I'd be robbing her of this courage and adventure and lack of fear that she had. Like, she knows about heights. We've talked about this. But, like, she's living unafraid on the edge. And for whatever it's worth, like, maybe that was a mistake. Maybe I should have gone and pulled her back. All the moms in the room were like, yeah, dude, you should. Vic's like, bro, come on. (laughs) But there is this sense of adventure that kids have where like they'll climb a tree unafraid. You know, I rode my bike as a kid barefoot with no helmet and I lived to tell about it. I get (laughs) that we've progressed and we should be safer. I get that. But I do think that there is a childlike thing that we have naturally that God intends for us to have supernaturally. Jesus tells us to come to him like little children. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we're God's kids. And and I believe a part of this is, is when he comes and affirms us with love and affirmation and peace, we're meant to enjoy some boldness to say, I'm gonna be all right. I'm not saying do stupid stuff, but like I go the other direction and I can be crippled by fear. It's like, man, I get to live eternally and there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He goes on, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That is not something to preach at somebody else when they're going through a hard time. That's obnoxious. But it is a truth to hold on to when you're going through a hard time. 
to know and believe that in the midst of this, this promise is true by the power of God in my life. It's gonna be all right. He's gonna see me through. If God is for us, who can be against us? That is a rhetorical question. The answer is nobody. If God is for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors. That's pretty cool. I mean, it'd be, it'd be great if the passage just said you're a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. I love that. It's like, this isn't even, this isn't even a competition. The, the battle is not even in doubt. You're, you're more than a conqueror. You've got this in him. And then ultimately, nothing can separate us from the love of God. These are the truths that, that begin to become reality in our lives when the Holy Spirit is present reminding us you're God's kid and he loves you and he affirms you and there's a level of peace that is meant to permeate our hearts that gives us boldness and courage to live this life he's called us to. So the Holy Spirit brings assurance and he's pictured in scripture as a dove that brings peace and assurance. But he's also pictured in scripture as the wind. See, when I walk in this assurance that I'm free to follow the Spirit into adventure, he comes like the wind. Jesus, when he's speaking to Nicodemus um, in John chapter 3, really familiar passage. You may be most familiar with John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That was a part of a larger conversation that Jesus was having with Nicodemus. And in that conversation, he's talking about the importance of being born into a new life. And he says, you've got to be born of the Spirit. And one of the ways he communicates what that's like is in John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. See, if I'm not anchored in the peace and the affirmation and the love of God, I will be terrified to surrender to him because I don't know what's gonna happen. That's what he's saying. You have no idea what's gonna happen. When you give yourself to the wind, it's gonna take you where it will. Now, I've, I've told elements of a story where Alex and I were on vacation in Florida with our families and we rented this little mini catamaran. It's a little mini like sailboat. It really isn't even a boat. I mean, it's two flotation device. It's a raft. It's a glorified raft, really, is what it was. But it had this little sail, and, you know, the guy kind of showed us a little bit, but I was sort of cocky because I'd done this once before a couple of years ago, and I was kind of like, I got this, and we very clearly, I very clearly didn't have this. And uh, we had all kinds of trouble even getting the thing launched. The waves were knocking us back, but... Eventually, we got out there a little ways, and we're out past, like, that sandbar that's further out, and, you know, we're letting the wind take us out, and it was a blast. And we had these grand plans to sail. Weren't we going to try to meet up with you guys? Okay, so if you know the area, we were, we were down in Florida in the area where Seaside is, Rosemary Beach, that area. And so we were staying closer to Rosemary Beach, and our goal was the girls were going to go do some shopping in Seaside. And then the guys were going to sail our boat down to Seaside and pick the ladies up and bring them back. Well, we made it pretty close to Seaside. 
And you know, one of the things you don't think about with the wind is not just that it will take you wherever it wants to go, but sometimes the wind just stops blowing. And we have no oars or anything. And we are just floating out there, like, I don't know, a quarter mile, a half mile offshore. And they're just standing there on the sand, just kind of (laughs) like looking at us. And like, we can't do anything. Like we were totally unable to go back. And like, I don't even think our phones were really working. We're trying to figure out how do we communicate with them. We were just stuck. We sat and baked in the sun for like two hours. Like, I don't know, probably people that know what they're doing know that in the middle of the day it's hot and I don't know, this, things shift and the tide's go, not going anywhere and I don't know. Obviously, I don't know. That's the real answer to the whole thing. But we just sat baking in the sun and couldn't move and just floated out there. And so the ladies, I think, and didn't y'all end up just giving, back, giving up and going back or did we get y'all? Did we end up figuring out how to get y'all on there? Oh, we swam and pushed it to shore. (laughs) We did. We swam and pushed it to shore. Anyway, man, I'm way off the rails here. That was just meant to be a quick analogy. But like, here's the point. The truth is, what we had done is we had gotten in a vehicle that the only source of power and direction was the wind. And we were at the mercy of the wind. And it was an adventure and we were out of control. And, and the reality is that's the truth of how the wind works. Now, you can learn to walk in unison with the wind. Like one of the tricks we eventually learned is even if we're wanting to go that way, but the wind's blowing this way, is we can kind of like catch it and kind of steer this way and catch it again, and we can eventually kind of get there. But we had to learn to walk in step with the wind, let us take it where it was going to go, catch it in the sail. The, God is calling us, the Holy Spirit is calling us into an adventure with him. But when I understand I belong in his family and he loves me and he's with me, man, that adventure's great. But it's, it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be risky. See, here's the truth. All real relationships have an element of risk. If I'm gonna truly choose to know somebody and to let them into my life and to enter into their life, that's gonna take risk. It's easy for example, to walk in here on a Sunday morning and know your face and say, hi, how are you? How is your week? That's easy. I mean, sometimes that's difficult, especially if we're an introvert, but you know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no risk of being hurt by that encounter. It's just a pleasant little moment. But if I'm gonna enter into real relationship with people, care about them, they're gonna care about me, we're gonna take care of each other, then it gets risky. But the message of God is that it's worth it, that a relationship with him is worth it, and that relationships with other people are worth it. And because the Holy Spirit is a connector, I can trust him that he's connecting me into God's family, connecting me to a relationship with a good father, and that he might surprise me at times with the adventure that I'm on, and at times it can feel like just a hot, miserable season where I'm not making any progress. But the truth is, he's with me. And he's going to get me where I need to go. And so it's worth it to go on that adventure with him. All right. In closing, I'm going to skip a couple verses just for time's sake, Jacob. In closing, I want to, I want to bring us back to something because I want, to see, I want you to see, I didn't just randomly choose like dove and wind and say, oh, let's start with those. I, I believe there's a direct connection between the affirmation and peace that comes from knowing we're a son and daughter of the king and then going on the risky adventure 
of being in relationship with him. And we actually see it if we go back to where we started. So again, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 16 and 17, and then I'm going to keep reading because when the Bible was written, it was not given chapters and verses. That's been added so that we can more easily find stuff and refer to things together. This read like a continuous story. And so going back to when Jesus was baptized, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and come to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Do you see the continuous story? This is my Son. I love Him. I'm with Him. I'm giving Him peace. And now He's surrendering and trusting me to go on this adventure. And that adventure took Him straight to the desert. We can go on the adventure with God. And it is worth it. It's worth the ride. He's with us. He loves us. Let's take the plunge. Let's take the risk. What would it look like if I surrendered my life to him a little bit more? What if it looked like I took a risk to really know God, to believe that I could actually know him, that, that he, could, he could develop a real relationship with me and that he might invite me to do some adventurous things with him, like risk loving other people and sharing God's life with them? Am I willing to take that step? Do I understand how loved and affirmed and accepted I am and that I can go on that adventure? Man, my hope and prayer is that we all will do that, that we'll say yes to him. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you love us and that we are your kids, that we, that we belong in your family. God, would you help us to hear that affirming voice over and over again that gives us a deep sense of assurance that you love us, that you'll like us, that we're at peace with you and that you've got an incredible adventure that you're calling us into. It might be risky, it might be scary, but it's the right place to be. God, that we can choose to be surrendered to you and watch where you'll take us. God, help us to, to step into that this week. Holy Spirit, help us to know you and recognize your activity in our lives. We may not be able to see you just like we can't see the wind, but we can definitely experience the effect of you being present in our life, reminding us who we are, and then hearing your call to adventure with you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray this morning. Amen.